Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm Ryan Baser, your host as always, and today is episode 41. And we have my good friend, uh, the godfather of medical and recreational marijuana of Michigan, Tim Beck. Tim, thanks for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. It's really nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cool. And yeah. Kevin, uh, coming uh, coming from an undisclosed location with uh, with his degree. What's going on, Kevin? Not much, man. Just uh, excited to, to talk with Tim. I haven't seen him in a while, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome. Tom, Real Leaf Solutions up in Kalkaska. Tom, what's happening up there today? Oh, real quiet around here, Ryan. It's actually been pretty nice with the whirlwind leading up to 420, but now uh, things just set, seem to have settled down a little bit. So, doing great. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's good. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, 420 was pretty incredible for the state, uh, without a doubt. But I wanted uh, to go on a little bit of background. Uh, when I first met. Uh, when I first started hearing about Tim Beck was right after 2008 and. Um, early 2009, I got my, my card and, uh, um, my, was one of the first patient caregivers and I was, uh, reading any information I could about marijuana, Googling, and then the, uh, the MMMA, uh, chat, uh, website, uh, chat board came on and Tim was <laughs> talked about a lot on that. And, uh, and then, uh, and then we met up, uh, I was, uh, one of the first members of Cation, uh, Cannabis Patients United and so was, uh, Tim Beck and I met you early 2010 mm-hmm. and, uh, Really appreciate it. Uh, you were uh, uh, an insurance uh, executive at the time, owned, owned your own agency, and I was had just left a career in insurance, so we kind of hit it off. And really uh, appreciated all the uh, the welcoming from from people like yourselves and Chuck Green and Matt Abel, and uh, you know took us took us uh, people like me and you know Jamie Lowell and the rest of us under the wing at that time. Um, but besides that, uh, Tim stayed involved with us at Mac. Uh, he helped lobby uh, w- with the association, um, the first one, and, and stayed involved. And then, um, and was really got us going. Really responsible, you and Chuck uh, Reem about all the uh, the state, the local ballot initiatives. So all these ballot initiatives over the over the course of the time was um, meant to teach these local municipalities that. Hey, the people are ready for this. Even though you don't don't aren't don't see it, we're gonna we're gonna do these. And you helped me, uh, you know, me and Jeff Hank with uh, with Lansing um, that we passed, and then obviously you famously passed Detroit, your uh, your home city at that time. But uh, I know there was others, Greg Schmidt and other people involved, but um, Ben Horner. But it was awesome with that, and then obviously through legalization, um, the whole way. So. Tim, tell us a little bit about, uh, an, uh, oh, and another thing, obviously, that you're doing now, you uh, you run the Safer Michigan Listserv, which if anyone out there is listening, uh, we have a lot of uh, industry people out here. It's just a wonderful Listserv that's been going on, I think, about eight or nine years now, and uh, that's not easy to do, and it's uh, quite a group of people it's on 2009 is actually 2009, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So and 12 years. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not that's not easy. But Tim, uh, uh, go. Let's t- uh, tell us tell us the listeners a little bit about like uh, why you got so heavily involved in marijuana activism, and then about the 2008, uh, uh, you know, the MMA which you were a part of. Please. Wow. Yeah. Well, I you know marijuana and I go a long way back, and, and that is I first took my first hit of of, of herb in 1970, you know, in a dorm room at the University of Detroit where I was a student and I, you know, I really liked it. Uh, and uh, so I just kind of continued to, well, just do it, you know, and uh, um, I never really, you know, at that time in life, however, I was focused, you know, on my studies and, you know, extracurricular activities and of course, you know, getting a job and it was not, you know, exactly a focus in life. but. Um, and I ultimately uh, I got into the insurance business and kind of worked my way up through you know the ranks so to speak from selling you know insur- life insurance and mutual funds to families over the kitchen table to ultimately the corporate level where my greatest sale was Detroit Edison I sold an insurance program to Detroit Edison uh, you know for a corporation that I was sales manager for and um, eventually I started on my own. It, it, it was a challenge, but again, it wasn't. I, this corporation I was with had 500 employees, but the management was constantly in turmoil. I really, I finally realized I know more than these people that are running this damn company. <laughs> and so I just went out on my own and started my own thing. And it was successful pretty quickly because I didn't have any learning curve. I really knew what I was doing. So over about four or five, six, eight years, I built up you know, a substantive company that basically ran itself. You know, and I was the boss. I owned a hundred percent of the stock, so nobody could tell me how hard or, or <laughs> I had to work. So, uh, you know, it got to a certain level, and I just sort of got bored with it. And I, I always liked politics. Um, I, I happened to—I was also student government president at the University of Detroit, and I've always had a kind of knack and thing for it. So. As um, the corporation became successful, I got involved in the local Republican Party, you know, in Gross Point and you know, East Side Detroit, and um, I ultimately I ran for for um, state representative out there on the Republican ticket. That was the only game in town. I didn't make it. There were eight people in the primary. I lost in the primary. Came in fourth, but the party bosses seemed to like me, and they said, "Hey, Tim, stick around. You know, you got a future." So okay, fine. And then I ended up editing the party newsletter for the local area and it was great for a while until all of a sudden the board changed and they got some serious zealots you know very social conservative type people that just didn't like my style that didn't like my attitude you know after three years i mean i knew the game was over and i had no future (laughs) in the party at at that local level so i said the hell with it and so i got this idea this brainstorm one day um, where can I start? What can I do to be independent? And I thought of marijuana. And, and right back then, California passed medical marijuana and it seemed to be really hot. There seemed to be a lot of support in the polls. I said, I'm just going to do it. And I got this idea in 2001 to start a ballot initiative in Detroit to change local ordinance to legalize medical use of marijuana you know, in Detroit. Now, the first time it failed, we had poor legal advice. I had to go back, get signatures all again, all over again in um, uh, 2003 and then we actually made the ballot in in 2004 and we won i mean every expert in the world was just absolutely astonished and i mean everybody was anybody i mean granholm mike cox uh, kwame kilpatrick i mean debbie dingle i mean every 
po political pontiff in the world just thought this was sick and it's horrible. It's going to lose. I mean, the Detroit News, the Detroit Press, I'd vote no. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it fortunately in Detroit, and there was a, lot, a bunch of preachers and this type of thing, and, you know, that came out against it. Everybody thought it was doomed. But the thing that people don't know about Detroit is Detroiters are really funny on this issue. They come across, a lot of them, they will never admit to even using marijuana. But they all do. A lot of them do. And in the privacy of the voting booth, they don't listen to the preachers and, and the governor and some of these other people. And it won with 59% uh, of the vote. And it was, that was a big deal. That was a really, really big deal. And, and you know, as a result, the, the marijuana reform movement, which was basically at the time was Michigan normal. That, that was kind of like it. And um, they heard about me and I heard about them and I joined and and um, as things went on, I became executive director of Michigan Normal. And I got this idea to do ballot initiatives in other cities across Michigan on medical marijuana. And the idea was to get the Marijuana Policy Project, MPP, to help fund a statewide ballot initiative like they did, you know, in, in other states. And ultimately, that's, that succeeded um, with these ballot issues and things. And, um, but, and it, it made the ballot. Now with me, I, there were certain, MPP was very control oriented. They were very, um, I don't know, we just, the chemistry wasn't there. So I stepped aside, you know, after, after we got the money, <laughs> okay? And then they, they took the ball and ran with it and, and won, you know? So, um, uh, and after that, um, that's really when a lot of the movement started. That's where I met you, Ryan, and a lot of other folks. Yeah, that once medical you passed, tell, I mean, it was, yeah. I was gonna say, do you want to tell us a little bit about like what it was like for somebody like you? You know, there was just like maybe a handful of uh, of activists really doing it, and then you you got this passed, and then that was kind of the next wave of uh, the next generation. I know people yeah. like. Uh, Tom and Kevin and I got involved, and then like you know, when early on it was Mark Passerini I brought in, yeah. and Jamie Lowell and Rick Thompson. Yeah. That was kind of, you know, Robin Rick Schneider, uh, Dory Edwards, all that. So what was that like yeah. as far as seeing all these new people and um, uh, welcoming us? Uh, you know, I you know I I guess I was just really delighted. I was really excited about the whole thing, the how you know. Uh, yeah, people just started to come out of the woodwork and embolden folks in, in, in a good way. And, I mean, there was stuff. I mean, I remember Jamie Lowell, my God, you know, when he started that, that third coach, Tim and Daryl. I mean, I was really fearful. That was dangerous stuff to me. I mean, I was thinking he could get busted any day by the DEA. I mean, it was just so out there, but nothing happened. And other things happened. Other people did that. And, um, uh yeah and unfortunately you were the only one busted well i mean ryan i mean not, i mean there were other people ultimately that's another story as you know but um the yeah it 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 was great and a whole every big daddy rick ferris yeah, you remember yeah. him i mean he came in there and it was just exciting and, and i felt um like i was i i felt good about it because i was there to kind of help mentor people and after going through some of the stuff that I did, you know, um, I fortunately didn't, I made mistakes, but I didn't repeat the mistakes. And I was able to help some people avoid mistakes that I had made, you know, in the past. And I think in a way I helped smooth things out and, and uh, um, 
so but it was like a whole new era i mean it's a, like what, what what's that expression a thousand flowers blooming all these people just popping up you know and becoming activists and wow and normal you know i mean it started to grow and then there are other groups were were founded and you know some of these some of the people are very you know like i say pretty sophisticated folks uh, in their 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 own way business-wise and everything and it was just Wow, it was electric. I mean, it was really, really wonderful, wonderful thing. And and, and, um, and then later on, um, I, I got the idea that I always felt the idea that, that medical is not the answer. The only solution to the marijuana problem in this country is legalization, okay, and regulation, whatever, in some form. And that was always my goal, even from day one, but I did it in increments. I got criticized for that you know by some people that wanted it all they wanted immediate gratification right now what are you talking about we can't cut we, we gotta go the whole thing no 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 cut it guys come on you know and there were a couple failed ballot initiatives to legalize it they were terribly well they didn't make it <laughs> and it was a lot of people got really driven through the ringer and worked and their butts off or you know kind of for and it didn't happen but i, I again i took this incremental approach chuck ream and i we decided to do ballot on legalization this time in various cities you know across the state and the nice thing about that is ultimately over a few some years we, i think we passed 17 legalization uh initiatives all over the state port here on mount pleasant uh, uh lance and jackson um you know detroit uh other folks took the ball in grand rapids and i mean it was quite astounding. Again, we went against all conventional wisdom. Everybody thought we were nuts. And we won practically every one of them, uh, except a few of them out in, you know, some rural areas. It was like, it freaked out, the, you know, the establishment, so to speak, and the skeptics. And uh, then, uh, and that was, like I say, that was a big deal at the time. And Ryan, I remember you, and, and I, I had such great admiration for you personally, because you were the one that really got the ball rolling you know, in Lansing. And of course, at that time, you had been, you know, busted and, and so forth, and where you were on your way to, you know, to the can. And, and I remember how you worked. I mean, you were working on getting signatures, doing stuff in Lansing, I think within two to three days before you had to report to prison. I thought, damn, this guy is something else. It's like, wow, you know, and I really, you know, admire, you know, your, your, your stoicism, your um, discipline, your dependability and but Thank you. again you weren't the only one there were a lot of people in their own way that stood up you know against the folks in that town and, and did work but you were an exception in the way you you know got it going so um then and like i say we didn't have a, we had people that really just came out of the woodwork and wanted to do it and they're all of a sudden they're calling me you know well how do we do this tim and you know and we and chuck and and, and you know we helped it out and you know, at that point, we did all the stuff, and the idea again was to lure big money to Michigan. So we had a real well-financed campaign, not like had happened a couple times in the past where it was poorly funded and it was almost all volunteer, and that never made it. But again, and, and it, I guess it worked again. Um, and in this particular case, since this was the marijuana policy project, and I had. Um, well, let's say an attitude toward Mr. Campia <laughs> over what happened back in 2008, okay? Oh, yeah. I'll spare you the details, okay? But they said, they were more scared about me opposing them, and they said, do you want to help? I said, no, I don't want to be involved in it, okay? You guys, you know, 
got your drill down, you know what you're doing, and there's plenty of younger folks out there that I'm sure, you know, would could, uh, you know, be of assistance. So I just sat it out. Plus, they wanted me to shut down the safer listserv. They wanted control, you know, of all okay. the message, you know, in Michigan. Yeah, I said, I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. And, and um, yeah, they, they didn't like it. But I said, no, come on. That, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so we were kind of an independent voice, you know, throughout. But it was other people that carried the ball. And, and later on, you know, Rob Campia got basically fired, you know, in the middle of the campaign. And other people came over and, and they were they had a, they were easier to work with. Okay, and uh, and it was of course massively successful, and it, it did win. And I remember that victory party. You and I were hanging out, Ryan, <laughs> in Lansing. That it was so, uh, <laughs> you know, after going through all this stuff, it was like I felt I didn't feel anything. It was very strange. Yeah. It was almost anticlimactic. You know, when we won after yeah. all these years of struggle, it was almost too good to be true. I couldn't even process it hardly, you know, at the time. A couple days later, yeah, it sunk in. But that's, I don't know, in a nutshell, that's, you know, kind of my, my story. And I, I've taken a point, I'm retired now, um, and uh, at least from frontline, you know, activism. There's plenty of qualified people out there, and I figure, you know, at my age, well, what the heck, I, I you know, I'll be 70, you know, next year. And I think, you know, you see examples of all these people, they, it's old times, they hang on and hang on and hang on and try to control the scene and be the big player and all that shit. No, that's just not for me. That's not for me. I had my moment in the sun. You know, I did my thing and I know who I am and what I want. And it's just a real delight to see the way this is come about. I mean, you know, that's MICIA, you've got, you know, all these organizations, all these people, all these attorneys, it's grown into a huge industry. I mean, people are raking real money off of this, and a lot of people have been kept out of prison because it's legal now, and I think it's, it's a, I mean, well, and, and again, it's an, it's an extraordinary thing, and I can kind of, like I say, rest easy. I Basically, these days, I live on a small sort of hobby farm, you know, out in rural Michigan now, and um, when I do the safer listserv, I moderate the listserv, which seems to be pretty popular with a lot of people. A lot of people have been around a long time and they like it. And it's a daily news feed. I mean, from the ridiculous to the sublime in some cases. And if people, you know, stick around, we got about 350 plus, you know, people on it over the years. And so I enjoy doing that. I, I, I like it. And that's sort of my, my thing. And I have other stuff to do too out here, but it's wonderful to see a new generation. It's wonderful to see that whole, you know, um, phenomenon just coming about and so many people making real money. So many people enjoying themselves. So many people have been liberated. So, you know, I guess that's hey. it in a nutshell. Hey, Tim, it's Kevin Pibus over at True Cannabis. Um, sure. You know, I wanted to say, I, I feel like uh, the whole state of Michigan owes, owes you a token of gratitude on on this, um, you know, developing a strategy to, to actually go after the problem. Um, you know, I, I've said it for a long time, you know, the, the standing on the Capitol steps and smoking joints and tie-dye clothing, that was getting nowhere. And it took someone like yourselves 
uh, you, Ryan, uh, some of the original people that were out there uh, doing this to come up with a good strategy to, to attack them at. And that was, you know, uh, getting them at their own at their own game. That was putting on suits and ties, donating money to campaigns, negotiating in good faith that they're going to do what they say they're going to do and and getting mm-hmm. it done. Um, and mm-hmm. Tim, when uh, you know, when I first met you, I was working with the MCDA. Um, it was the first time I had stepped out uh, uh, from hiding, so to speak, um, and started to publicly uh, advocate for, for this. Um, and, and I was coming up to Lansing, and you really impressed me because uh, you came up to me when I was walking into one of the Senate hearings, and you said, hey, Kevin, my name's Tim Beck. It's it's good to see you today, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, how how does he know who I am? You know what I mean? And 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 so what it showed me is you'd done your research. Um, you, are, you are serious about trying to get this stuff done, and you earned my my respect straight away. Um, my question for you is, uh, over the years, um, have you received any pushback uh, while you've been advocating? Have you ever, you know, gotten in trouble with the police over what you're doing or, or felt any pressure from people uh, as you as you navigated your way through to legalization? Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah quite a bit in some cases. I, I Probably the most infamous or whatever incident that there, there was a thing I was on this off-the-record, you know, TV show with this Tim Skubik and so on some years back. And, uh, you know, one of the panelists said that, you know, how do you know this is ever going to pass? Isn't this just, I'm paraphrasing now, but isn't this completely useless? Isn't this a waste of time? How do you really know? And I say, well, the fact is it's inevitable simply because of the changing demographics of the, uh, of the state. And the fact is the vast majority of people that don't want, you know, legalization are older people, okay? They're dying off, okay? And as the years go by, that demographic is going to change and we are going to have legalization. That just created a firestorm because some enemies, some people didn't like it, accused me of wanting old people to die, that I wanted the death of old people in order to attain my agenda. And I got the hate mail and the calls of just the ugly, you know, kind of stuff with this twisted version that I wanted to kill old people to get my sick agenda. Old people die? <laughs> that that's what I wanted, that I wanted them to, to die. <laughs> it was it was pretty twisted stuff. I and mean, it went on, you know, for a while. There, you know, well, there was that one. And then um, I, yeah, I got a lot of scorn for people, in, you know, in the Republican Party and people that knew me and everything like that. I was just, the, the rumor that I was just crazy, you know, that I was mentally unstable, you know, and so forth. That was another one. But the other thing was, yeah, I did get harassed by cops quite a bit. And I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but what happened, yeah, with the, this lean system, they have every damn thing about your life, every encounter, I'm convinced, with the police is all in that database. And, you know, word, I think, got out that, you know, Tim Beck, yeah, this son of a bitch. And, you know, I would be stopped by cops, you know, just sort of randomly, you know, and they'd want to search the car and they want to talk to him. How you doing today, Mr. Beck? You know, what's up? Uh, You're you, you going over a little over the line today, huh? I said, so I don't know, you know, and, and there was a couple of other times where, yeah, I ended up in the lockup, okay, three times, actually, because of my contempt for certain cops that had stopped me okay um and i didn't hesitate you know to you know kind of tell them where to go my one case it wasn't about marijuana but it was uh i was I, I, there was a weird traffic stop you know like in the city of detroit and i was on my way to a meeting it was a no turn in a construction zone but there it was 
after hours, no construction workers were there. And a lot of people were doing that. Then he stopped me, this cop, and, and his buddy, and a couple, a whole bunch of other people held him hostage. And, you know, I said, you know, man, you, you know, and he took, confiscated our licenses, and this went on and on and on. I said, man, you, and he canned it back and said, you're a real piece of shit, man. You're an asshole. I want to tell you that right now. We're going to deal with this. You get out of that car now. Put your hands on the hood and spread them. Yeah, that was the immediate. He barked that command. And, and yeah, and I didn't do it right away. And he called for backup, you know, and they pulled a gun. And I got out at that point. And yeah, the cuffs were on. The car was impounded. I was in the lockup. But the thing was so damn stupid. I got a great attorney. And I was charged with disorderly conduct. Now, disorderly conduct what that means in terms of encounters with a police officer. You actually can call a cop any name in the book. You can call him anything you want. The only thing that you can't do is use what are you know, called fighting words. Like, I'm going to kill you. I'll break your leg. I want to bust your face. You know, that style. No, 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 you can't do that. But there was never anything like that. And so the city didn't even prosecute. They defaulted. So we got dismissal with prejudice against them. We sued in federal court and I cashed a check for $17,500. Okay. Now then the other couple were marijuana related. I was in the, um, oh, it was in a massive traffic jam at Metro airport. You know, it was boring. I was sitting there and I, you know, to was toking a roach and they, were, they hadn't hit, silly me, they had hidden cameras all over the place. So I got spotted and harassed and arrested and you know, and I, I got out of that when I have no criminal record. There was another time I, I was uh, parked along I-94 talking on the phone. I didn't want to drive and talk. And I was so into the conversation, I didn't notice a state police officer pulling up. And they said, what's going on? You know, this kind of thing. And Whoa, you know. Now, silly me, yeah, I, I wasn't paying attention because I had like a, a flask, okay, with a splash of Jack Daniels and it was sitting on the seat. Now, I hadn't been drinking at all, period. But then, of course, it just broke down. It got bad and back and forth. And I spent the night in the lockup. And again, in this case, it was, you know, dismissed. Uh, I, I mean, I paid like a $350 fine for open intoxicants. And then that was it. But they really brought this marijuana. They charged me with illegal possession of, uh, illegal transport of medical marijuana, uh, for one thing. Uh, yeah, that was one of them. And then possession of a drug and felony possession of a drug analog okay because they found some xanax you know which i have a legitimate prescription for but the prescription bottle yeah they can tell you was expired so i mean they just threw everything in the book at me and finally they dropped that the prosecutor seven months later you know they finally decide what to do with me and and as far as the illegal transport of medical marijuana i said you know i told my attorney i said you tell that prosecutor that if you're going to charge me with that, I want a bench trial, okay? And I want the judge to find me guilty, okay? So I can take this to the appellate court, and we're going to get that that stupid-ass law out of here. It's going to get ruled unconstitutional. Oh, no, 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 no. They dropped that like a hot potato because they knew it ain't going to work. <laughs> so, and eventually it didn't. Actually, they pressed it, and that did get overturned. So, um... But what happened with the, with the random stops, I, the way I finally cured that is I signed the ownership of the car over to my wife. Okay, so it's under a completely different name. So when they scanned the plates, it didn't register as Timothy Beck. And that ended the problem. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but other than that, and, and there were probably, I mean, there was people you know, within the cannabis reform movement itself that didn't like me. 
you know, they didn't like my style. They didn't way uh, my philosophy and the way I was doing things. And there were internal, you know, fighting going on. But uh, unfortunately, um, well, fortunately anyway, it never got to the level like it did in other states, like Arizona at the time. And I think even, uh, I think it was Oregon maybe, where the factions within the reform community were fighting among themselves. It got so bad in certain sides. In, in the end, they were supporting, they were working with the cops to defeat legalization. And this was in Arizona. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. Ohio was another real zoo uh, but uh, of infighting. But we never, it never got to that level. You know, here in Michigan, thank God, you know, eventually everybody, you know, closed ranks. And, and again, that's one of the reasons I wanted to get out in, in the sense of not being involved, you know, in writing that law, the legalization law and everything, because I, you know, I, I felt to some of these people, I was kind of a lightning rod, you know, because I didn't take their, their BS or what I considered BS, okay? I, I dealt with it accordingly and, you know, I, there was stuff, that, mainly these were people that, you know, just had to have it all now. It had to be pure, you know, and eventually the 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 um, good became the enemy of the perfect. You know, so Robin and I and some other people, we actually did work with Rick Jones, we worked with Republicans, you know, to get that dispensary bill passed. A lot of them didn't like it. A lot of people didn't like it. But I knew if we get that passed, that's going to bring us real close to legalization because we'll already have a structure set up that the legislature designed, and we just mimicked that, you know, and that really, yeah. But they didn't like it. They they didn't they didn't want that at all. And there were other legislative changes. The so-called Walsh bills was another thing uh about you know defining better defining medical and doctor patient relationship but i felt we needed to do that we needed to get some clarity and yeah i got crucified by some elements of the community you know for working with those folks but i figured the more we do to legitimize this thing to make it normal you know in the eyes of the rest of the world and get the legislature on board the better shot we had to go mainstream and to win yeah so, i agree i think that was definitely important to getting it done um Tom, you have a question over there, buddy? Well, yeah, kind of kind of bridges from what you were saying. You actually answered a lot of my questions um, right there. But um, looking back at, um, you know, the 2008 uh, Michigan Medical Marijuana Act, um, at what level were you um, involved with, uh, with writing um, the language involved with the act or oh, involved was, with the I people was... who actually – I'm sorry? Yeah, I was deeply involved. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, see, yeah. so how did all that factionizing of people? Um, everyone has the ultimate end goal for the most part. Some people may have more of a purist. Some people may have more of yeah. a capitalist. And yeah. but, um, but how 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 was that balancing that in order to come up with the act the way that it stood? It, it it's a it's a solid it's a solid piece of legislation um you know legislative um act but you know yeah. just how how like what what were your biggest challenges well my biggest challenge was getting along with the people at the marijuana policy project okay they were they had a cult of secrecy okay within that group and the way they kind of got me into the orbit is that they wanted I was part of their inner circle, part of the whole thing writing it. They ran their, their, what do you call it, uh, 
they came up with what I thought was a very sound structure, this caregiver system, avoid dispensaries. We, we wanted to win. We, we, we wanted to win, that's all. And they were very good at polling to find out what the hot buttons are and what isn't. And so I, you know, I went along with it. I thought it was pretty, you know, pretty sound. I thought maybe it was a little more, little too conservative. I thought maybe we could add a few other diseases and, you know, conditions and, you know, but I, I didn't Absolutely. find it was fine. And, but what they did, they, and, and the problem with normal, they felt that, and the normal folks, and I don't blame them, they expected to also know what's going on, you know, and share and the whole thing. But they wanted only me to then dictate to normal, well, here it is, and I can't tell you why. Incompatible, just incompatible. And I, without permission, without getting formal permission, I, I sent a copy of the proposed legislation before it went public to like about 20 of our top people. And then when MPP found out, they just blew up. They went nuts. And, and that I tried, that I was dangerous, that I had compromised the secrecy. Of, and the goddamn thing was going to be, you know, revealed anyway. You know, in a couple right. weeks. This was no, you know. Right. But again, it was a personality. And I'm, I'm a strong personality. I can be. And they, they were too. And it just got to that point. I said, guys, I've had enough. Okay. And they said, yeah, well, uh, you're going to have to sign the cease and desist order. <laughs> yeah. Saying that if I get, have any involvement in that campaign, I could, I'm liable up to a million dollars in damages. I signed it. You know, I said, I didn't give a shit because I knew that if we didn't have the money, it ain't going to go. It just yeah. ain't going to go. And I felt I just needed to swallow any pride I had, step aside, do your thing, folks. And that was it. So I was out of the picture for about a year and a half, and they, they did their thing. And of course, they won, and we couldn't have done it without, again, without right. their money. What do you wish was different about the act? I can't think of anything different. I, I wish they could have added stuff like like depression, okay, right. and anxiety disorders, okay, because I happen to have a thing like that. So it's right. personal for me, you know, and, and a lot of other people do. Um, and, or allow your doctor to make helpful. the decision. Yeah, yeah, or allow exactly. the doctor to make the decision whether, yeah. you know, regardless of exactly. the condition. Exactly. And then also not outlawing the, the whole carrying of, you know, how we transport cannabis wasn't really yeah. outlawed. So that kind or, or it wasn't outlined in the act. So that right. became problems for a lot of people until you yep. fix that. So. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, you cannot, this is very new, you know, back then in, right. in 08, you know, so we were on. Uh, ground untrodden ground, so we were bound to sure. make mistakes. We were bound to have some holes, loopholes, or stuff in yeah. there that we never thought about, and only sure. emerged later on where we got attacked. But yeah. no, I didn't. So, I thought their idea was sound, and the whole idea for the caregiver model, rather than institute dispensaries of any kind, was because George Bush was, you know, still president, and they were busting dispensaries out in California. And dispensaries yeah. really had a bad rap, and he had this this Bill Shooty, you know, part of his presentation. They, they had a, a commercial during the campaign of some young tough like hoodlum types, you know, in San Francisco, you know, the Devil's Den, you know, they're scoring, they just scored some weed out of a dispensary, <laughs> they're running out to get high, and they pushed an old lady, just pushed an old lady <laughs> into the street while they were on the rampage to get sure. high, you know, and uh, you want this in your neighborhood, yeah, yeah, that that kind of stuff. So. Um, but the caregiver thing, ultimately, it made it impossible for the federal government to enforce federal law. 
because here you've got, if you have thousands of people all over the state growing small amounts of marijuana, the DEA is going to be run ragged. They're not. Right. But if you had just a few dispensaries out there, bam, they could they could right. nip that real quick. But they could not. This is gave us, you know, gave us some real protection. And a lot of people didn't understand the logic, but that was the logic. I thought that was very well thought out, given the day and age, given the time that we were living in. So. Oh, still brilliant. Still brilliant, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. It's, without a doubt. You know, one thing, Tim, I go around now and uh, um, my products in a lot of stores and I go talk to the, the young bud tenders and they're flabbergasted as, as we're reliving, reliving that era. Like, I, you know, I tell them it was just, it was 10 years ago that the, the United States military was brought in to raid a caregiver grow in Michigan. You know, that's how much the world has changed. Um, I'm super excited about the next 10 years. But one thing that just popped up in my Facebook memories from two years ago, and uh, you're, you were front and center, and you know this was a historic day in our in our lives as well. It was uh, you know two years ago, just about two years ago, in a, in a few days, Dana, Dana won the uh, oh. Dana Esso won the uh, the primary yeah, at Cobo, yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah, I mean you were up there oh, on the stage man, and all them pictures. So talk just, a, t- yeah. Yeah. yeah, talk a little bit about that because I know you were an independent and Republican, and we all got behind it. Yeah. But that was, uh, yeah, you know, we, we might yeah. not see something like that again in our lifetimes. No, I, you know, see my theory or my vision, or for lack of a better term, for for the movement, was to model ourselves as a single issue organization. In other words, like the NRA. The NRA don't give a shinola, whether you're Democrat or Republican or whatever the hell. As long as you sign on to their agenda, they're going to back you. They'll support you. Right to life. Right to life, oddly enough, is not an arm of the Republican Party. Sometimes it is, but they will support Democrats. Anybody. doesn't matter, regardless of your ideology. So I thought that was the best way to have any semblance of unity. The, The idea, we don't care what your politics are. And, you know, again, whether I would have supported Dana or, or, or not in the end, I, I'm not sure. I probably would have, but but I, I don't know. Um, the, the thing, but see, the where that happened, when she, I first heard about her, I read about her in the paper, her activities with this stuff, with that lesbian couple that, uh, I'm going to sneeze. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that lesbian couple that adopted that kid and it went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and they won and Dana was a big player in that. So then I heard from Michael Comorn that she's running for attorney general and she supports weed. And I said, well, Tim, what do you, he asked me, Tim, what do you think? And I looked into it and I said, yeah. You know, it was obvious she, she, she was credible. She was competent. She wasn't some kook, you know, or anything like that. She was well qualified. And whatever differences I had, which was some, you know, on policy level, but I'm not going to go into that. But, you know, again, I just put that aside the hell with it. We need to do what we're supposed to do, regardless of her other politics. We got to support her and back her because this is going to be a big, big thing. And, you know, we really, you were very close to the action. I know that, Ryan. And, and, and uh, yeah. um you know, when I heard about her, I did absolutely everything I could, you know, to promote her candidacy. And what we did, you and a whole number of other folks, I mean, we really got the community to show up at the Democratic Party convention that April uh, to get the nomination. You just don't go on the ballot. You get, you get to get become a candidate for attorney general, the major, any of the parties, you have to get nominated at a party convention. Okay. Uh, so for secretary of state, Attorney General and so on. Now the governor, that's different. There is a primary, but with those offices, you get 
Yeah. And, and what happened, the irony, and the Democratic Party itself is a very insular kind of group, usually controlled by uh, unions. Unions are the primary entity that exerts control. Um, certain black folks in Detroit, various clerics and you know, whatever leaders are also a big part you know, of, of the Democratic Party. And um, so they just decided, well, um, yeah, well, we're going to nominate this. What's, what's that character? That, that one, Pat Miles uh, Jr. Yeah, Pat Miles. Yeah, there you go. You know, federal attorney, you know, Western District. And of course, he's black. You know, that, that really, I mean, I understand that. I'm, that's no put down. I get it. Okay. It's politics. And they felt there's a thing in the Democratic Party. The thinking is that you have to have a so-called balanced ticket. You have to have a black you have to have a female, and you have to have a male in order to appeal to all these constituencies. So there was really no place for Dana <laughs> in that milieu. And they felt Patrick Miles was more credible. The unions got behind him. The black community, for the most part, got behind him. And they decided they're just going to do it. Fuck you. <laughs> you know? And so we, the only way we could beat that machine is getting people to the darn convention. To become members of the Democratic Party, because if you once you got your party membership card, you can just walk in, you can breeze right in, you know, to Cobo Hall, you know, at the time, and vote for the candidate of your choice. And it was a marvelous thing. And in the community, we brought like almost 400 people, 400 new people to that convention in Detroit. It was overwhelming. And of course, you got a lot of support from the LGBT, you know, community, and you got support from very, um, younger folks that were very strong progressives okay they didn't like unions they didn't relate to unions okay so that those three elements i mean really you know united around dana and if it wasn't for any if any one of them cannabis folks um uh, uh lgbt or young progressives had not been there she likely would have lost you know but we just flooded the hall and we outvoted them we outvoted them. It was embarrassing. I, I remember this one political consultant, a, a black guy, kind of real. Steve, Steve, um, oh God, his dad was a big minister in Detroit. Uh, uh, anyway, I'll think of the name. But, but anyway, he, he was a so-called consultant. I remember him you know, in Bridge Magazine. Uh, you know, he wrote a whole thing. It was, it was the end of the line. The party is going to get slaughtered at the polls. And then he's especially zeroed in uh, that unconventional or unusual individuals, or meaning weird, or, or the assholes, but he didn't use that term, you know, got in and she was elected by marijuana users and, 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 and gays and lesbians and, you know, th this kind of thing. Like she was just abnormal. And now they're screwed because it's all three, it's all females. So they're going to lose. This was a bankrupt kind of kind. Steve Hood, that's his name. Yeah, his dad was a big, big clergyman in Detroit years ago. But but that was the thinking. He articulated the thinking of a lot of the mainstream and the political bosses, you know, that they went so against their ideologies. How can three females? We can't do this. This is unfair. They're all white, too. They're all white. Three white females. What kind of message does that send about inclusivity in our our party? See, and well, we said fuck you in so many words. We just it was water <laughs> off a duck's back, and we just went on. And you know, I, I remember I found out I found Steve Hoods because I knew the guy from before. I was on a TV show some years ago that he had about marijuana, and I happened to have his email. I sent a snarky little 
email to him afterward after he wrote that column. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoyed it. You know, he never replied, but yeah, he got the message. And, and so, but it was brilliant. It was a brilliant work of political gamesmanship. It was just absolutely extraordinary, as you know, Ryan. And, it was yeah. it was wonderful, and, and I like yeah, it. I really was... do. I, you know, I, I I'm very happy, and I'll vote for it again. You know, I mean, I you know I have issues I, I, about this Enbridge pipeline. I don't agree with her on that. I don't agree with her, her. Her, and this is only my issues. Okay, I'm not. You know, other people disagree, and I, I think that the, the the hysteria surrounding COVID. Okay, I'm not saying it's not real. Okay, but there's some exaggeration there. And I, I, I didn't like her and Gretchen's way of handling that, but what the hell? She's been fine. Yeah. She calls it as she has been honest. I support her and love her. She's great. That's, yeah. that's awesome, Timmy. That's what I always say to people. And, you know, some of the purists that, uh, of course, I still hang out with, they're like, well, she'd be good to do this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, well, let's look at this. Over the past hundred years, she's probably the most pro cannabis AG in the history of the country. So let's 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 take it a step from there and then work backwards. But yeah. besides from that, uh, I know we, we could talk all day and I actually learned some stuff today. This was this was awesome, Tim. I know we talk a lot, but that was cool. <laughs> uh, I wanted to just wrap up and uh, let the guys uh, say goodbye and uh, okay. before we head out. So Kevin uh-huh. that uh, true you got any uh, parting advice or words? No, I just want to give a, a big thank you to, to Tim for all his efforts over the years. Um, you guys have heard me use the saying, we uh, we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, and we definitely stood on your shoulders to get to where we're at today. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? Someday uh, there'll be people standing on our shoulders as we work to continue the fight. Um, and so thanks for all your efforts. Thanks for your, your strategies on, on getting us to where we needed to be. Um, it's been imperative, and, and you're, you're, you're really appreciated. The industry loves you. Thanks, Tim. You're very kind. Appreciate that, Kevin. Thank you. Tom, Tom up at Real Leaf. I couldn't have said it any better, man. Yeah, just thank you so much. I mean, your tenacity and your uh, very forthright individual, and I, I believe that without your level-headedness on how to bring this to flourishion, uh, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Probably would have set us back a few more years, you know. But So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you all, yep. too, guys. Really. Yep. It, Tim, any uh, any final words for the for the viewers or, uh, um, or for uh, us? No, that that's about you know it, I, that's the story that's the givey you know and and uh, you know I I just um, want to thank everybody for for listening. It's a, an honor, pleasure to be be on the show and. and uh, I um, like I say I'm, I'm I'm the biggest cheerleader you guys got now <laughs> at this point, and I really support everything. And, and thank you so much. And and um, yeah, I missed some good good times, a lot of fun Ryan over the years, as you know. You know, yep. we've worked together yep. on a lot of stuff. And thank you, man. Good congratulations on your life, man. On your life, really, the way you've been so done so well for yourself. You get a lot of thank odds. you appreciate all the phone calls before I was going into prison and afterwards and coming and visiting me and, and all that. So that's one of the things we get to do on here is relive uh, Michigan marijuana history and how it's, it's forever will be, um, you know, videoed. And uh, Michigan is so different than a lot of states. And one of the big reasons we had a Tim Beck uh, back years ago, along with a lot of other great people um, that, that pushed us forward. So I appreciate it all, Tim. Appreciate the mentorship and the friendship over the years. So. Thank you. You have a great day, sir. Thank you, everyone. All right. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, 
Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.